0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in the name of the triune God. Amen. When I sat down to start today's sermon, I noticed that I was really, really confused. Now, I'm always a little confused when I write sermons. Sorry, this this microphone is falling, so we'll try. Um, Yeah, I'm always a little bit confused. There's a process of wrestling with the text and thinking about what's happening in the world. But eventually a message starts to condense before my eyes and the confusion lifts. But this week, my confusion was different. This was an intense, mind-numbing confusion that made me wonder if I'd ever preach again. (laughs) But as I reflected on all that's happened this week, it hit me, of course I'm confused. And I'm sure many of you are really confused as well. This past week has been a roller coaster of a week. Last Thursday, we awoke to the tragic news that a white supremacist, age 21 and a Lutheran at that, had killed nine African-American church members in Charleston under the pretense of attending Bible study. Then Friday morning, our nation woke to an entirely different revelation with the Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage. Then yesterday, I got the word that my denomination, the Episcopal Church, we elected our first African-American presiding bishop. And then I think Nadia said, what, the the women's soccer team won? Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Though our sadness is profound over Charleston it has become entangled with an exuberant and effervescent celebration about the Scotus ruling. Or how do you pronounce that? Scotus? It's become its own word in this process. I don't know about you, but as excited and grateful as I am about the Scotus decision, I wasn't prepared for my excitement to exist right beside my grief about the Charleston Massacre. That's not how I imagined it would happen. And I know that I'm not alone in this tangled web of mixed emotions. As I was watching the TV Friday morning, I saw my own confusion reflected in the news as it flipped back and forth between the rainbow celebration and the funeral of the Reverend Clementa Pinckney. And then the confusion of the joy and sadness started to take on more explicit language. My Twitter and Facebook feeds were sprinkled throughout the weekend with bewildered questions like, how can I celebrate same-sex marriage when our black and brown and poor brothers and sisters are getting shot? Or no time to celebrate, there's too much left to do. This wariness about celebrating SCOTUS in the wake of Charleston, Ferguson, Baltimore, and uh, endless number of other places in the world, reminds me of how I felt about LGBT rights in general years ago when I was first coming out. I came out in college and at that time I was really, really fired up about Marxism, like a lot of (laughs) college students. But, in particular, I was influenced by the idea that LGBT rights were luxury, middle-class, private problems that are a distraction from the real problems of poverty, racism, and economic injustice. In other words, I felt that I couldn't be healed until others, others I perceived as worse off than me, got healed first. And as I witnessed our country wrestle with the celebration over same-sex marriage in the shadows of Charleston, I found myself right there, right there in that place. I saw how easy it is to see healing and grace as powers that are limited, as powers that need to be organized and managed by us. But luckily, today's gospel speaks directly to this temptation. In today's gospel reading, Jesus has just returned home after a healing excursion. We might go to Italy or something. Jesus goes healing in the Gerasene country. The Gerasene country was a place outside of Galilee and basically was considered heathen land. So, the events narrated in today's gospel already begin with a really hypercharged backdrop. Jesus has been using his authority to heal outside the people of Israel. And just as Murphy's law would have it, while Jesus was away, the shit hits the fan back at home. <laughs> Jesus has barely stepped off the boat when Jairus, a big wig in the synagogue, throws himself at Jesus' feet. His young daughter is dying. And though the text doesn't make it explicit, the juxtaposition of the unclean Gentile with the synagogue bigwig implies that there was likely some tension. I can hear the crowd now. Why were you off healing those heathen when you've got one of your own suffering and she's from a good church-going family? Feeling every bit of that tension Jesus makes his way through the crowd and towards the dying girl's home. If Jesus can only get there in time, maybe he can dispel some of that tension in the air. But no, his journey to heal the little girl is suddenly interrupted. Someone touched me, he said. I don't know, Jesus sounds a little paranoid at this point, but. And when Jesus says this, we feel the tension begin. To become more explicit in the text. Even the disciples seemed frustrated with him. Who touched you? They asked. You're in a herd of people trying to walk to a dying girl's house as a group. We're all bumping into each other. Why are you stopping? We've got a dying girl we have to get to. But Jesus remained in this moment of limbo until the woman came forward. This woman, known by many in English as the woman with the issue of blood, has been immortalized over the last 2,000 years for this encounter with Jesus. She's found on pottery, icons, tapestries, tattoos, and even on ancient money. (laughs) Yep. But despite her notoriety over the centuries, I can't imagine that the crowd was very happy to see her that day. She was a nobody, an outcast, completely useless in her society. She she suffered from an unnamed medical condition that caused her to bleed chronically, which rendered her perpetually impure, because in the purity code, you had to stop bleeding for seven days in a row in order to be considered clean so even if she only bled once a week she would have been perpetually unclean and at this point she has been declared perpetually unclean for 12 years the exact age of Jairus daughter who is now at the point of death but this day the woman with the issue of blood was at a crossroads She is in a crowd of people trying to get Jesus to Jairus' house so that he can heal someone else. Being in that crowd, she had to know where they were going, and she had to know that that little girl's life was tenuous. However, she had experienced her own suffering, discrimination, and bondage for 12 years, and Jesus was right there the potential for her healing was just a few inches away. All she had to do was reach out and claim healing for herself. But what about the little girl? She must have been wracked with confusion and even some potential guilt. But in the end, she pushes through those feelings that she is less than, and she pushes through the crowd that has kept her on the outskirts of life, For 12 years, and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and she is healed. And if Jesus hadn't stopped, this could have been the end of her story. This could have been just a sweet story about another individual's healing, if Jesus had kept walking towards Jairus' house. But this story is not about one more individual who Jesus heals. This healing happens in the way that it does to show that this healing is for the whole community and shows how our healing is always bound up in the healing of others. Jesus stops the crowd in its tracks precisely to highlight that this woman has asked for healing in the very moment that he is headed to heal someone else. This brazen act must have been scandalous to the crowd, especially when they soon learned that the little girl had died. This woman's desire for healing seems to have robbed the little girl's chances at new life. When they come to report that the little girl has died, I hear anger, bitterness, and jealousy in their words. Stop bothering the teacher. It's too late. The girl is dead. But what the crowd felt is what I've felt. It's probably what many of us have felt. That there's only so much grace and healing to go around. We, like the crowd, fall into the trap of feeling that God's healing, what we sometimes call salvation, is a limited commodity If God makes space for the LGBT communities, what happens to the poor? What happens to the need for healing in Charleston and in Ferguson and in Oakland if we fully claim the gift that queer Americans have been given this week? What today's gospel teaches us is that healing and grace that comes from God is infinite. After he heals the bleeding woman, Jesus still continues on to Jairus' house, Even when the crowd laughs at Jesus and thinks it's too late, Jesus shows up and turns the tables on our limited view of grace and healing. And in the process, Jesus heals more than just the bleeding woman and the little girl. He heals the entire community. He heals the entire community by showing us we have nothing to fear in our our own healing or in the healing of others. Because our healing is also the healing of others, just like the healing of others is a gift for us. There's always enough to go around, and then there's always more. There was always a surplus of healing and grace. It is not a limited commodity. But this unlimited kind of grace, particularly in this situation, is often something that I think we have to experience firsthand to understand. And for me, my moment when I understood this firsthand was Friday, I was watching the news and I was watching Don Lemon, who I just learned happens to be one of the first openly African-American gay uh, journalists on television, interview the family of Reverend Pinckney after the funeral. And he asked them what they thought of the same-sex marriage ruling. And I expected them to say, this is our moment. This is our moment to mourn our father. This is not about same-sex marriage. But I couldn't see someone being happier than they were in that moment. The look on their face showed that this place that we're in right now is holy ground. That this confusion that I felt and that perhaps all of you are feeling this week is holy ground. And that there is always enough grace to go around. Thanks be to God. Amen.